This is the Matters of Influence podcast, creating awareness and alignment today to become your best self tomorrow. With your hosts, Debbie Frapp and Terry Foster Nowland. All right. Hello. Hello, everybody. We are back and we got a fun topic today. You guys ready for the title? Ready. Your zone matters. The danger zone matters. The danger got, zone. We do. We've got a special guest with us, and I have actually known this individual for quite some time. Him and my son are great friends. We're college uh, college buddies and still still connected today. Just an incredible, um, I'm going to still call him a young man, and that's only because I compare him to my <laughs> age. And, uh, just, uh, just highly successful, has his own uh, law firm, and you're in Miami, correct? Yep, in Miami. Yep, Miami, Florida, and it is just an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Maybe, maybe this will be the one podcast my son actually listens to. <laughs> you better. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Here we go. So, uh, Brett Tremblay, welcome, welcome, welcome. So yes. excited to have you, and um, you are going to be talking to us about the danger zone. You, um, you've written a book, but before we we talk about that, just tell us a little bit about your background and what you guys are doing. Um, the area, um, the areas of uh, that you guys practice in, and uh, we'll take it from there. Absolutely. So, first of all, Debbie and Terry, thank you so much for having me on. It's really an honor, and I'm I'm just excited to chat with you guys today. Um, look, I grew up in New Mexico, so not too far from you guys, and then went <laughs> to college there, and that's where uh, you know Brian and I know each other. Brian, you better be listening. So we're gonna quiz you on this later. Um, and I moved out to Miami for law school and just kind of fell in love with the, the green and the sun and the water. And, um, I've been here ever since. So going on probably like 16 years now or, or somewhere in that range and started my own law firm almost 10 years ago. So we're coming up on our 10 year anniversary and it's been really fun. So like, like what you guys do, you, you coach and you guide and you help people become better versions of themselves. And, and the coaching industry in, a, in such a good way is really growing because people don't look at it like a, a luxury anymore, but more like a necessity. So mm. thank you guys for what you're doing. I got a coach in the legal field early on, and that is really what, what changed my business. I can very comfortably say I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that. So for anyone listening that hasn't pulled the trigger to work with you guys, nobody asked me to say this, but it, like it, you can't see... We have so many blind spots and you need someone else to, to point out in a good way, like what you're doing. And one of my, my biggest things I tell people is how you spend your time. We all get caught up doing so many things we shouldn't be doing that we should be delegating. And it really prevents us from taking the next step. So, um, so look, I, I, I give my clients, they're all business clients. We do business law, franchise law and litigation and going to court. But our goal is to keep our clients out of court because when you go when you get in a lawsuit, legal fees are so expensive and usually only the lawyers win. And this is coming from a lawyer who half of our firm is sustained on litigation fees. But, you know, we do our best to keep our clients out of court. A lot of times people hire us because they didn't hire us in the first place. So now it's like, oh, no, I got to get out of a bad situation. And then we start counseling them. It's, it's a little you know, like legal coaching, like the, here's how you stay out of court. Here's, here are the things you do. And we just kept seeing the same things over and over and over. 
And we categorized those and sort of chopped them up and then found that there's about five major categories that cause people to get in trouble. And that's where the book came from. You know, that's a, a lot of years into a few minutes of the danger zones. We call it the five danger zones. And um, it's really designed to help people avoid a 50, 75, $100,000 lawsuit that should be easily avoidable with a little bit of preventative legal action. Wow. Well, if that right there is enough that people need to pay attention and, and read the book, right, and identify the, the danger zones um, exactly. And we'll talk about where to get that book, but let's, let's go ahead and dive into what some of those danger zones are and just kind of give us a, a snapshot of those. Your first one has to do with corporate infrastructure. Um, and I think, you know, part of that is that even if it's a small business, um, I think that the infrastructure is really important. So talk to us about that, that danger zone and, mm -hmm. and what you've seen in your practice where people get into trouble. Yeah. So look, here's where the really fun stuff comes, right? Contracts and quote unquote legal infrastructure. So <laughs> we wrote this book to try to not be as boring as most legal topics are. And in addition to, we're all just trying to make our way in life and business. Like we don't have all that time to just sit down and say, let me review all my contracts today. Um, we, we wrote the book with, with anecdotes and, and hopefully some funny stuff. So it's really an easy, short read. I mean, it's probably written in sixth grade English um, on purpose. So, so, but we have to dive in. It's, it's not sexy stuff to talk about. It's not as fun as marketing, but it's important. And, and corporate infrastructure has to do with how your business is set up. Are you the right type of entity? And do you have an agreement that protects your business? So many businesses implode, meaning they don't get, they don't like, you don't go out of business usually from someone that sues you from the outside. It's when the business owners themselves, the partners, they start fighting and they have disagreements. A lot of times you see people come together and one person comes with the money and the other has the idea and they're going to do the work. And then a few years later, somebody's because entrepreneurs, you guys know, we, we don't have a 40 hour work week. We're just on all the time. So somebody's working 60 hours a week and they're only getting half the money and the person who's not working at all expects half. Well, it doesn't work that way. The, the best type of arrangement is whoever works gets paid commensurate with that type of work. So if, if it's a convenience store and you're behind the counter, I mean, you're really, you shouldn't be making that much. You should be paying like if you hired someone and then after the profits are split 50-50. So when you put those things in writing and you agree and you have a proper operating agreement, then what you, the first thing you do is, is you don't have funny memories because people just tend to remember things differently because it's not like you think someone understands something, but they'll never understand exactly what's in your head and vice versa. So you want to reduce everything to writing. Second of all, it prevents disputes like, hey, it's right here in writing. This is what we agreed upon. If we want to change the deal, well, let's talk about it. And just getting your operating agreement or your, your shareholders agreement, if you're a slightly bigger business or a corporation, in writing, duties, responsibilities, et cetera, that will save so many headaches down the road. And for some reason, it's a huge step that people skip. I've tried to change that. It'll never change. A lot of people are going to skip it, but is what it is. Um, yeah. That's why it's number one. It's just so fundamental and important. You know, it's so, funny. Oh, I'm sorry, Terry, I spoke over you. No, I was just going to say this is so appropriate people don't understand that these simple steps of creating these agreements affect everything else that happens in their life, you know, upon death, right. Um, or 
illness or if you've set up a trust, how does this affect what happens to my business and or my shares or money when a life event happens? Right. So it's not just about having an agreement for the business. It's about creating something that affects your future. Would you say that's true, Brent? That is 100 percent true. I could go through all the other reasons that you need an operating agreement. But I always say, like, what if your business partner dies? Like, are you going to be business partners with Uncle Rico next? Like, who, who yeah. are, are they married? What, like, do you have to go to probate? You need that. You need in writing. And, and there's things called key man insurance policies and buy sell agreements. So the mm-hmm. business can have insurance and then it can buy out the partner or the partner's spouse or, or next of kin who's remaining. And you can, yeah. you can write it up. So, so in, like in, in one of my other businesses, me and my business partner have an agreement that if one of us passes away, there's going to be a decent chunk of money to our family. Plus the family will retain a little bit of equity, but at least the remaining partners not stuck being a business partner, having to answer to someone else. So that's exactly right, Terry. There's just so many reasons why you need a good agreement up front. Well, I think people get in business sometimes with people that they like, right? And, and that, hey, we've got this great idea and they never think about you know, that side of it. And Terry, you and I have coached uh, people that decide to form a team, whether that mm-hmm. real estate team or something else. And yet they don't, they don't come up with the agreements. And then all of a sudden you've got fighting because it's like, well, what happens to this person? I brought them to the table and all of those kind of things, which I, I think I can see why this is number one um, for yeah. you, the number one danger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking why, what in your experience, Brett, why do people not put something in writing is it awareness is it what is that i a a lot of okay so first of all you can be in business with someone you like somebody you know well right thinking that things will never change Mm. the second thing is most people like let's say some and this has happened a lot somebody comes to us and like i have five thousand dollars to start a business you know what i'm telling them don't spend two-thirds of that on me and legal fees Go have proof of concept first. Let's see if your business works because you're going to need some startup capital. And then once you guys know you're going to keep going in the business, then we can do an operating agreement before it gets too late. But that's not the first dollar you should spend. It's one of the first things you should do. But I I think most people don't even know if a business is going to work. So you know what? Like, let's just go do it. Let's just just get it done and take action. And and I'm I'm okay with that. But yeah you know, within a short amount of time, you've got to put things in writing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think so. Perfect. Always in writing. The second danger zone, contracts and leases. So, yeah. So, so contracts, instead of your internal contracts, these are um, vendors. These are lease agreements, all of the things that you're signing and putting your name on. And, and a lot of times with personal guarantees, like in Florida, it's rare to find a commercial lease without a personal guarantee. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure if it's the same in Texas. You know, we've got several clients in Texas, but we don't do like their lease agreements because that's more Texas specific. Yeah. But um, there are a lot of ways that, you know, like attorney's fees provisions, venue provisions, there's a lot of things that can catch you in a contract. And when you want to get out of it, it's like, oh man, I'm, I'm locked in for another year because I didn't realize I had to give them 90 days notice Right. to get out of this contract. So now if I try to breach or, or, or you know, get out of it, I, there's like another 14 months that they're going to try to charge me for. And there's a lot of things people sign and don't read. And it, it's mm-hmm. so important to have somebody take a quick look. Now I'll tell you what is frustrating from the consumer standpoint though. If I'm a business owner and this happens all the time, like 
we get emails. Hey, can you, like, I just need someone to take a quick look at this contract. Now I get that. Sometimes it is a quote unquote quick look. A lot of times it's not. And there's a lot of things in there that, that we need to fix. But for us as a business, it's not a good model. It's not profitable. There's so much back and forth and so much like explaining. And, and then we have to ask a lot of questions just to know what's going on outside of the contract for people to just reach out and say, Hey, can you just look over this contract? Like I'll, I'll pay you a thousand dollars for a few hours. So I get it. That that's a friction point that it is hard to alleviate what we've done just because a lot of people are like, Oh, it's so hard to find a cheap and reasonable attorney. We have a general counsel program where somebody pays us a small retainer and then whatever they need from there, like we already know their business because we've done the intake, we've gone through the danger zones with them. So now it is very quick work. You know, hey, I need this contract looked at. Well, sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's two hours, but now it's easy. Until you have a relationship with a good attorney that you can trust, that can turn around and work quickly and, and do a good job, it, it's really hard to find. And I think that's why most people skip this stuff. Yeah, mm, that makes a lot of sense. That and would make sense. When you think about even just some of the contracts that we have, we work with a lot of folks that are independent contractors, and I definitely know sometimes they haven't read it. And when people are wanting to make a, a change, it's like they look at that and then realize, oh, okay, here's what happens when when I I break even this independent contractor. So there's all kinds of different type of employment kind of contracts. Yep. Well, and that kind of dips into the next danger zone, right? Because yep. Employment matters, as we call them, but you're talking about your non-disclosure agreements, your non-compete agreements, your non-solicitation agreements, um, and and just your employment contracts, so that everybody knows what they're making and and why and, and what the rules are of the company. There's so many ways for employers to get in in trouble now, legitimately or illegitimately. So one of the big rackets in Florida, um, there's two things. I call it legal extortion. Well, I'll, I'll get into the first one in regulatory compliance, I guess. But um, the second one is wage and hours. So somebody quits a job or leaves and they meet one of these attorneys. I wish, you know, if I even call them that, <laughs> who, who convince them like, hey, didn't you work overtime for the past three years? And the person's like, what's overtime? Didn't you work like 80 hours a week? Um, sure I did. Okay, great. Let's sign you up for a lawsuit and let's sue the business owner. The problem is that the business, it's not the, the former employees or sometimes current employees um, onus to prove that they worked overtime. It's on the employer to prove that they didn't work that person overtime. So if you don't have timesheets, you're, you're basically SOL. And um, there, there's just little things like that that can really get an employer in trouble. Everyone sees the business and thinks the business owner is just, oh, they, they're making all the money you know, unless you own a business, mm -hmm. you don't understand how expensive it is to run a business and margins are, are unfortunately, you know, not that great in most industries. Mm -hmm. So th th this one in particular, employees are our best asset, but our biggest headache. And mm -hmm. I've got a lot of them and I love them, but it is what it is. You have to protect yourself from, from, you know, people and things change. And, and you can really, I, I have a, a good friend out here who, I used to use one of his main employees as an example of somebody who's just a go-getter and, and helps run the company. I'm like, we need someone like that. She turned around and sued him. And I would have never expected that. And so, you know, we've just seen it all. It, you, you have to protect yourself from your employees and, and, and by the way, and them from you, like it, like we put together fair agreements 
so that both sides are protected and that creates a good relationship. So what would be one piece mm. of advice, like the, the one thing that you've seen the most that, pro, that most, whether it be a small business or anybody that has em, em, employee, uh, employers or employees, sorry, they've hired somebody basically. What's just one, one tip that you can tell them that they really need to implement? So if you're in a, a business where you have a big competitive advantage, you, you've figured out some, some process or, I don't know, some way of doing business, you, you want to put together um, non-compete agreements with your employees so they can't just leave and then steal your, your clients and then start a competing business, basically just replicating what you've done. Now, you can't pe keep people from competing forever but you can do a reasonable amount of time. A year will be enforced. 18 months is usually enforced. And then when you get over that, it's sometimes courts, you know, throw it out. Uh, there's also proximity. Like you can't open a business within this radius, you know, how many miles, but that that's important for, for business owners to protect themselves from that happening. Because when, when you don't, then you tend to have the attitude like, well, why am I going to hire someone when they're just going to leave? You know, yeah. and it, it ends up not being a great situation. So, and on the other on the other side of things, not signing an agreement that's that's overbearing. Like we we had a, a guy that was working for a sales company. This sales company didn't have any real proprietary information. I mean, they just stole. And it's a famous guy who's really a, a, a bad dude. Um, uh, but he steals everything. He's got no trademarks because nothing's his own ideas. Um, and our guy left and, and started a business and then was sued. And we, we, you know, we settled eventually, but we would have won the lawsuit, but unfortunately in, in the lawsuits, it's about the war chest, right? The bigger pockets usually wins because you could just bleed people out. So on the other side, if you're an independent contractor, cause you, you mentioned independent contractors or an entrepreneur, or, you know, you're going to be an entrepreneur, be careful what you sign because you're about to be an employer. And you don't want to go into something thinking you're going to, um, you know, learn something for a year and then go start your own and then find out like, oh my gosh, I have to do something else entirely for 18 months. Cause I didn't realize that they slid in this yeah. non-competition little paragraph or like one sentence in the middle of an employment agreement. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and Brett, that is it my understanding, me being in Oklahoma and, you know, Debbie being in Texas, you being in Florida, States regulate what those independent contractor like yeah. non-competes, right? Yeah. That's state regulated. Okay. Yeah. It, it, almost every state, I think, has a statute on those or or okay. just enough case law that there's a sort of prevailing accepted sort of like proximity and duration and, and how strict you can be with those. And I'll tell you, a lot of states are, are moving away from enforcing them at all. So you really have to be careful as the employer on how you craft those agreements, making sure they're not too overbearing and overbroad. Yeah, hmm. that's great. That's great advice. Well, you mentioned you mentioned trademark uh, in in that, and that's actually your fourth danger zone. Yeah, uh, yeah. Trademark and intellectual property, which. Um, yeah, that this this one, of course, is as one that probably t impacts both Terry and I. Um, and so talk to us about this one. Getting it, getting a trademark is so simple and it's it's really like legally speaking inexpensive. Um, you can get a trademark for, you know, twelve, fifteen hundred dollars. 
So let's imagine you have uh, Terry's taco stand, right? And you have, <laughs> you, you spent all this money, you, you built out the, the and, and by the way, so going back to like the, the contracts issue, the third danger zone, getting into a lease when you're in a franchise and then the build out goes bad and you don't open and the franchisor wants their money and your name's on the lease. Wow. You know, there's, we've seen that so many times and mm-hmm. small business owners go belly up for that reason. It's happened yeah. a lot. So, um, but let's say everything goes well, you open and you don't trademark Terry's tacos. And then across the street, someone opens up with Terry's tacos and they, they dispel that your name, like one, one letter differently or, or even, even the exact same. And you do have some common law arguments with a right to the name, but now federally, um, cause trademark is a federal issue. Um, it's, it's first to file and, and it just, so it's such a simple thing to get. And it, we have seen some heartbreaking stories where someone's been in business for a long time. Someone mm-hmm. else comes in, opens a business and grabs a trademark and then tries to force that smaller business out. We see this a lot in the like brewery distillery. We have a client who has a, a brewery out here and you know, the big guys, you know, Budweiser, Coors, they'll create a line of beer to look like a craft beer to confuse the market on purpose. And then the, even though they're the ones really infringing, they'll sue the smaller guy because they know that they're going to spend all the money in the world. So then you kind of settle and it, it's just, a, it's, it, it can be very frustrating. That's a nasty game. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. What about, what wow. about the intellectual property? Is that something different or does that come under the it, trademark? It comes, yeah. Inter, no, intellectual property is the broad term for like copyrights and trademarks. Um, so copyright is like if, if you produce a work of art or a song uh, or, you know, blogs, you can copyright your blogs and you do have common law rights to, to copyrights, but, um, you know, and, and patents, that, that's the other thing that's kind of included in, in intellectual property. Patents are a different animal though. That's a, a like an invention or, or a very particular way of doing something. And that is very expensive. We don't do patent work. It's a whole separate bar exam, actually, to be a patent attorney. Oh wow! Yeah. So if so, if you're trademarked, oh, wow. so if you're trademarked, and let's say that you write a book, okay, does that does that intellectual property then go under the trademark? And each time you write a new book, you have to do something different, or does it all go under that that header? Books are copyrighted. Um, a trademark's for a logo or a name. So okay. so let's say that. Um, like Tremblay Law Firm, for example, um, someone else tries to open up Tremblay Law Firm, we're going to, if it is the person's last name, which is not that common, um, we're, we're going to do our best to, to enforce our trademark on our name to not let them use that, the same name, because the, the whole purpose of trademarks is to prevent confusion. And I actually did a YouTube video after the Tiger King about why why the tiger king lost the lawsuits and what and what really happened with the trademarks and he he tried to create something that looked like i don't know the crazy tiger lady stuff and and it was a it was a big mess but it is pretty interesting it's an interesting world yeah yeah absolutely okay Okay. all right so our 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 last danger zone um another sexy title gotta tell you Gotta tell you, compliance and, <laughs> compliance and regulation, right? Just butter me we up. We love them both. Yeah. Our favorite topics. <laughs> Let me just bathe in some compliance here. Um, 
the, this is, this refers to some of the statutes you have to watch out for. So in South Florida, and I know California, I'm not sure about Texas and Oklahoma, you've got these lawyers running around just like shotgunning lawsuits. They'll find a, a strip mall and sue every business in the strip mall. And then the owner of the entire thing and say, you're supposed to have 15 handicapped spots and you have 14, or they're supposed to be 10 feet wide and they're nine and a half. And if you're a little bit off, then you're probably going to lose the lawsuit, but it should be a quick fix, right? Like, okay, let me fix that. Oh no. Now they want their, their $20,000 in attorney's fees. And, and we've gone to court arguing like you, Judge, you can see that they just copy and paste the exact same lawsuit. They put in someone's name, they file it. That can't be more than a half an hour of paralegal work. Like, give us a break here. And it's really the, the attorney's fees which get people. Um, so you got to watch out if you have a physical location for being ADA compliant. And the ADA, it's Americans with Disabilities Act, right? A, a, a very good law. We, we should protect people with disabilities for sure. But the way it's being used as a sword to hurt business owners is very sad. One of the other ones is TCPA, the um, Telephone Compliance Act. Um, that's mm -hmm. if, if you if you're a business and you know, some marketing company comes like, like, hey, you have all these customers, we can text them your 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 yep. deals. You can yep. get sued and and for a lot of money for yep. for abusing text messaging so th th those are the main two yeah. just yep. again just small things that can be avoided with a little bit of prior planning yeah no absolutely um there was one you've also mentioned kind of um uh websites as well and i know that that was one of the um areas recently that somebody shared with us around um what some of the what some of those compliance and regulation th items might be for websites can you speak to that for just a moment yeah so i i mentioned that lawyers were basically finding somebody with a disability called a tester and going online and, and just like suing everybody with the physical location. So then what they started doing is saying, well, their website has to be compliant too. So let's just sue people left and right if their website can't be navigated by somebody who can't see. And so, you know, like, is there an easy plugin on your website that somebody could click on and then it can read your website? Um, and the case law that recently... Hmm came back, um, it, it was good for business owners. And it kind of pushed back a little bit on the fact that if you have a physical location and a, an online website, that if like every word is not perfectly available for, to be read, you know, because that, that's a lot of coding. There are some easy plugins you can put on your website, but it's not perfect. Um, so that, that's basically what was happening. We were seeing a wave of lawsuits being filed to anybody with a website. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we heard oh, wow. those for um, from a couple of our, mm -hmm. our our clients that we have, and so yeah, it's interesting. All right, so five danger zones. So uh, talk to us about where to get your book, and I know that you go through much more detail, Brett. And then any <laughs> any closing or final words that you wanna that you wanna share with our folks today? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. let, just go go to the danger zones. Go to Amazon and just type in the danger zones. We'll pop up. Um, I think we talked about there, there's two listings, unfortunately, um, for ours to score the one with 21 ratings or, you know, you'll see the one that has the most action on it. It should be the first one that pops up. Um, and yeah, we, we, we listed it at $7.99 paperback, right? It's not expensive. This is not a money maker by any means for us. It definitely costs us more money to get it done and, and to talk about it and, and run a few ads than it'll ever bring back to us. This is because we care about entrepreneurs. We care about employers. We care about the business community. Small business owners still 
employ more than 50% of the American workforce. And in order to keep that up, we need to continue to protect business owners. And there's all these pushes to protect the workers and workers' rights and workers built the country. And I get all that. And again, you have to have really great employees, but everyone talks about there's no jobs and, and we're, we're creating these and government pretends like they create jobs, right? Um, but let's make it easier on business. And we're the ones taking the risk. We're the ones putting our money on the line. We're the ones signing leases and personal guarantees and taking the risk. Let's not make it so easy to sue us and, and just basically bankrupt us, which can happen. Yeah, absolutely. And you've also got a website and you've got a, you've got a, I think you've got a blog, uh, a blog post too, where you've done some really great articles about different topics. Where do, where do we find that at? Tremblylaw.com. That's, you know, pretty simple. Our blog's fairly easy to find on, on the front page and that's where all the information is. And we put up about four blogs per month, you know, they're free and, and we're trying to get more good free info out to people. We had a ton of stuff up during the pandemic about yeah. PPP loans and IDA loans. And, and we did our best to put out free information. And I'm, I'm happy that, that people still use that tool. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Wow. That's great. That is great. Terry, any final thoughts or questions? No, I think, I think, of course, being where I'm at in life and owning a few different businesses and understanding how to create corporations for businesses and or how and working through attorneys here locally on that, you know, it's just so much more complicated than we think opening a business is. I love that you use Terry's taco truck because if I'm just going to go create a Terry's taco truck business and I think all I need is a truck and some tacos and the meat, yeah. uh, maybe a little bit of advertising. There's so much more to it. Yeah, and I, I just want people to hear this and not be afraid of it. Yeah. I want them to hear it and take it seriously and, uh, and realize this isn't about today or tomorrow. This is about 10 years from now, 15 years from now. And I love your advice on, you know, getting the business started and then going from there with your agreements. I know most of the clients that we coach have an operating agreement. They have a buy-sell agreement. We're even hearing the non-compete language be a part of uh, that. And boy, the independent contractor status is big is. in our industry. And you, I don't know how to stay on top of it. So someone else has to. Yep. So yep. that's you what gotta, I'm hearing from all of you. Got to stay well-informed. And I, I just love your... Yep. Um, your community aspect and really wanting to protect that business owner. And um, it, again, it's how we're all going to stay in business and how we make, make everything work. So, right. and then if you stay in business, we can still employ people so that other people there have you go. work and our economy keeps moving. So absolutely. Uh, thank absolutely. you guys That's so right. much for That's having right. me thank on. You. I really, really enjoyed today and it was lovely catching thank up. You, yeah. Thank you, Brett. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. We're going to close this out. Here we go. 